Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi there. Normally, we start each episode with a short bit of sound clips that usually foreshadow the trivia we're about to talk about. However, before we start this episode, I'm going to read a quick message from the judge in charge of the Department of Corrections and Errors for the show. It reads, Dear listeners, seems that the host of this episode could not be bothered to keep accurate track of the gameplay, and as a result, the rules were not followed to an acceptable level. The violation was such that the winner of the game is in question, and a discussion has started as what to do for disciplinary action against the host. You have failed me for the last time. Our sincere apology goes to the contestants, Diana and Amy, for this mistake, and we hope to make things right as soon as possible. Thank you. Signed, The Judges. So, that means I screwed up. Sorry. I thought it would be disrespectful not to release the episode after our two guests gave of their time and talents to make this show happen in the first place. Nothing can be done about it at this point, other than to make the best of this situation. So, to that end, see if you can spot the rules violation as we play and why this mistake was a game changer. My bad. Sorry. See, you know, I knew I should have made a left turn at Albuquerque. And welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I'm Zabe, your host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for fabulous prizes and in the process do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. So happy that you've chosen to join us. I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. This episode is one I've been looking forward to for a while now. There's something for everyone here, I hope. But if you like reminiscing about 80s rom-coms, music videos, and women's rad fashion of the 80s, then this is one you might especially like. Especially like. We're going to save Gen X for future generations today with the material we cover with these two friends of over 30 plus years. I'm thrilled to have my two guests on the show today. Please welcome to the show, Diana. Hey, Zabe. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to play with one of my longtime besties. I don't know. I'm kind of scared here. Amy gives me a run for my money, so I'm ready. (laughs) Well, thanks for being on the show, Diana. Thank you. You know, so many people have said, oh, I'm nervous about being on the show, or I think my opponent's going to kill me, and they end up winning. So please keep that in mind. And Diana will be playing against her friend and former high school classmate. Please welcome to the show, Amy. Hi, Dave. I'm excited to be here. And I can't wait to play with my friend of not quite 30 years, maybe 28 and a half, just if we're, (laughs) I don't want to talk about age yet, but I am definitely prepared for tonight so we won't do any math on when you graduated amy so you're, it's fine 28 you want to you want to go 28 Perfect. we'll go with 28 that's cool excellent <laughs> but before we meet them properly let's give a quick overview of the games we'll be playing today if you're new to the show this is how we play 
The show is broken up into three rounds of games. The winner of each of the first two rounds will receive an advantage in the following round, and the player who wins round three will win a chance at today's fabulous prize. Please note that the word fabulous is very subjective in this sense. We're going to jump right into round one now and get the games rolling. Round one. Hey, ladies, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the first game of the day is a game we call the Facts of Life. In this game, we take the top 10 crowdsourced opinions about a topic and players must identify them on a top 10 list. An incorrect answer gets you a strike and the player that gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of the round will be awarded the power, the power, which is a position that will grant them advantages throughout the show. So no points are awarded for round one, but having the power can be a great advantage in each round. Ooh, cool outfit. Ooh. What a severe sway. Guys, it's no big deal. Um, Bobby sent it to me for my one. You know they have fine leathers down there. Oh, yeah. The best leathers come from Rome, Paris, and Des Moines. The 80s was a decade when many of fashion trends that people love to hate were created. In complete contrast to the 1970s, shirts became looser and trousers become tighter. Hair was heavily styled, sometimes crimped and often voluminous. And makeup was bold with clashing colors, almost like face paint. Some call it the time that fashion forgot, as most laws of fashion were broken and torn to shreds. The 80s are easily identifiable. This amazing decade featured fast music, sporty cars, TV in every home, and new materials that changed the world. The 80s were the opposite of boring in everything they did, from the tunes on the radios to the hair on the folks' head. Every little thing was Louder. It would be impossible to write an exhaustive list of all the amazing things that came out of the 80s because there are just too many. For both men and women, 80s fashion in particular created some of the iconic looks that we won't soon forget. Even though we can't name them all, here is the list of the top 10 80s women's fashion trends. So tell me, ladies, what are the most popular women's fashion trends of the 1980s? We flipped a coin backstage and Diana, you win the coin flip. You get to go first. All right. How about the high collar, the blouses with the high collar, the button down, lady die like, you know, with the ruffles? That was number 28 on the list. I think that counts as a Victorian blouse. I'm sorry, Diana, that is your first strike. I do have a disadvantage from being in a school where I had to wear a uniform. So I was a little stunted on the the fashion there, but hey, I caught up. <laughs> I mean, you were alive in the 80s though, right? I mean, you saw things. You had a pulse. <laughs> Strike one is still early in the game. Over to you, Amy. I think, and we spent many hours trying to perfect this. So I think I'm going to go with pegged pants. Pegged pants is number 14 on the list. Please keep in mind that these are more specifically women's fashion. Everything from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. Keep that in mind. So that's one strike a piece. Diana, back to you. All right. How about like the dolphin shorts? (laughs) I'm sorry, Diana. That's strike two. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Amy. I'm going to go with big shoulder pads in jackets and blouses. Shoulder pads. Number one on the list. Well done. Yes. (laughs) She's back, guys. She's on the board. (laughs) Diana, you got two strikes. So you're kind of up against it. Give me give me something in the top 10 here. Okay. I'm going to go with the lacy, the lacy gloves, the lacy, you know, the Madonna lacy. Ah, you said the key word there. Number 10, the Madonna look or lace everything. All right. Mm-hmm. Amy. I'm going to go with mesh, mesh shirts, skirts. It's like something you wore over a tank top. 
That's number 17 on the list. Oh, I'm sorry. Shoot. That's two strikes for each of you. Diana, All right, you got to get an answer here or you're a strikeout. How about like the neon or day glow? Neon everything is number eight on the list. All right. Pressure's on, Amy. Okay. I'm trying to think. I think I will go with jelly bracelets. Jelly bracelets, number six on the list. Well done. Well, I don't think we've had this many options on the list with two strikes <laughs> apiece before. So this is a little tense. <laughs> Diana, it's it's win or go home here. Win or go home. Let's go with um, oversized or, you know, the oversized blazers. Oversized blazers did not make the survey. I'm sorry. That's strike three. Diana, you've struck out. Amy, that means you've won round one and you have the power. <laughs> the power is yours. Let's run down this top 10 list. Number 10 was the Madonna look or lace everything. Nine was spandex. Mm. Spandex was a big thing in the 80s. Eight was the day glow neon everything. Seven was perms. Perms were really popular in the 80s. Even my dad had a perm. My dad had a perm. <laughs> His most ridiculous thing ever. So he looked ridiculous. like Mike Brady. Mike Brady, yeah. And uh, that does not fit him if anyone knew my dad. <laughs> Number six was jelly bracelets slash jelly shoes. Five is sequins or cut off or off the shoulders or oversized sweaters, like off the shoulder sweater kind of thing. If you would have said sweater instead of blazer, Diana, you would have got that. Number four was stirrup pants, popular in the 80s. Number three, I'm surprised you guys didn't get, was leg warmers. <laughs> And number two is the answer I think everyone was shouting out at their podcast player right now. It was in the open even, which was the 80s big hair. So much big hair. Too obvious on that one, I think. <laughs> well, the Aquanet I had, I, you know, I should have had that. <laughs> <laughs> my hair! You shot my hair! Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. The judges are the gatekeepers of all things Gen X on the show, and to that end, they are requesting to know from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. That is, apart from being born when you were, between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself truly as part of Generation X, and what might possibly disqualify you from Generation X? Please welcome to the show, Amy. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and include your Gen X credentials and disqualifiers. So I am definitely a child of the 70s and 80s. Uh, I grew up with divorced parents. We went to the Boys and Girls Club after school. I don't even know if those exist now. I think they've gone into the YMCA. We did not get our first microwave until we were, I was 11 years old. <laughs> my posters on my wall in my bedroom included like Depeche Mode, Madonna, Michael Jackson, Duran Duran. Nice. And this is probably going to give away my identity, but I, since sixth grade, when Pretty in Pink came out, um, or maybe it was 16 Candles, I have been called Molly Ringwald since <laughs> sixth grade. And I just a couple of years ago had somebody say to me, you know who you remind me of? I finally figured it out. It's Molly Ringwald. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's never going away. I so. think any woman that had fair skin and red hair growing up in the True. 80s was called Molly Ringwald at least once. True. A couple of years ago, we had a DVD of The Breakfast Club and my son asked how old I was when I was in that movie. I'm like, that's not me. <laughs> it's not me. It's an actress named Molly Ringwald. So it still haunts me. But I've been a Gen Xer, a proud Gen Xer forever. I finally got to fulfill my childhood dream and I went and saw Duran Duran at the Puyallup Fair a couple of years ago here in Washington. 
and it fulfilled all of my seventh grade fantasies. <laughs> it was amazing. Nice. And what are your disqualifiers? I think disqualifiers, I never went to Smoker's Field and I did well in school and I did ditch occasionally. I went to Taco Bell sometimes when I was supposed to be an MUN. But wait, um, wait, ditching school is not a disqualifier. I know, I know, but I, I did right like I, I never went to Smoker's Field. I never like I did well in school. I wasn't a punk rock kid, you know, so there's like some of my disqualifiers of like, I was a proud Gen Xer, but I still like followed a lot of the rules and kind of <laughs> stayed within that framework. So I guess that's my disqualifier. Judges, they're going to let you stay on the show. Well, <laughs> oh, congratulations, you. Amy. And also please welcome to the show, Diana. Diana, please give us your Gen X credentials as well as your disqualifiers. All right. So my credentials are, I had a mother that stayed home, dad worked, we're a military family, but settled here in uh, Huntington Beach, been here since I was four. And I'm one of those that had the Dorothy Hamill that morphed into more of the Cornelius from Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Somehow it makes you look less intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but forever it seems like I had that haircut. But I played outside from, you know, the moment my cereal spoon hit the table until I ran in for lunch. And then I ran right back outside and played. Um, nobody checked on us. We could have been who knows where in the neighborhood um, until the streetlights came on. And then I knew it was time to come home. We had dinner. Dinner was on the table, clockwork. When my dad came home, so I loved playing outside. We did the, the typical drink from the hose, get your snacks from the vendor that drove around the neighborhood or the ice cream man and chewed our bazooka bubble gum and played outside. It was great. To piggyback on that, I remember when I was a kid, streetlights came on and the kid I was playing with, his mom called my dad and said, hey, I'm looking for my son. You know, he's not home yet. And my dad, typical parenting fashion of that generation said, well, you know, he's either on his way home or he's dead in the ditch somewhere. Either way, there's nothing you can do about it. So I don't know why you're calling me. So my qualifier would be, I'm not a huge fan of punk. And um, I've never seen When Harry Met Sally. Oh, well, the host of this show has never seen When Harry Met Sally either. So uh, I'm forced to say you're in good company. <laughs> there you Judges, go. can both of us stay on the show? Diana can, but you're on thin ice, chump. All right, we made it. Hey, all right. All right, well, thanks for being on the show. And off to round two. Round two. Round two today is a game called Eight is Enough. In this game, I'll ask a total of eight questions, four to each of the contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one point for a partial correct answer, which is up to the judge's discretion. At any time, players can appeal the judges to make a ruling for a partial correct answer and try to make their case through loud arguments and putting those judges in their place. The player who currently has the power, that's you, Amy, gets to choose between two questions to answer. Players take turns answering questions with a chance to steal if the opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point, but more importantly, it also steals the power away from their opponent. You cannot lose points for an incorrect answer. However, all questions must be given an answer, no matter how incorrect it might be. So if you don't know the answer, please make something up and try and make it entertaining. Otherwise, you'll get slimed. <laughs> the winner of round two will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose a prize that both of you will be playing for in round three. However, the player who has the power at the end of the round will go first in round three, which is a huge advantage. So you want to end with the power in this next game. Amy, you have the power, and you can choose between these two questions to answer. Will it be, my father wants me to join the army, but I can't work for that corporation, which is a movie question. Or you can choose, 
when identity fraud goes overboard, which is the movie question as well. I'll go with the second one when identity fraud goes overboard. Okay. In the 1987 romantic comedy Overboard, a cruel but beautiful heiress played by Goldie Hawn mocks and cheats a hired carpenter played by Kurt Russell. When she gets amnesia after an accident, he decides to introduce her to regular life by convincing her that they're husband and wife and hilarity ensues. Now going by Annie, Goldie Hawn's character lacks knowing anything about her life previous to this moment. She asks Kurt Russell's character, Dean, how old she is. How old does Dean tell Annie that she is? This is a multiple choice. Okay. Is it A, 29 years old, B, 42, C, 25, or D, 69? I'm going to go with B, 42. B, 42 is incorrect. Diana, you have a chance to steal and get a jump on this game. 29, 25, or 69? 29. 29 is correct. Well done. I know she knows that movie really well. (laughs) So Diana, that's one point for you and you've stolen the power. Here's the fun fact. Goldie Hawn looks clearly happy in the scene when told how old she is, because in reality, she was 42 when they filmed that movie together. Oh, really? Yes. So funny. This plot has deep roots and has been remade in one way or another in movies and TV since the 50s. (laughs) There's the recent 2018 remake with Anna Faris. The Italian version called Swept Away, a Russian version called Wife Rented, a Hindi version, a Malaysian version, and a South Korean version. Seems the whole world can't get enough of stories of men taking advantage of women with serious brain trauma and lying to them and force them to become their servants. I just ate a bug. Keep your mouth closed. So a quick side note is uh, a person very close to me used to work at a uh, photo mat in, where was oh, it? It's like mat. some some fancy place in Southern California, like uh, Malibu or something like that. And Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell used to take their photos into her photo mat to get their film developed. Oh my gosh. And they took racy pictures of one another on some vacation one time. <laughs> and this person who will remain nameless made extra duplicates of those racy photos. <laughs> And has them to this day. Look at the size of that thing. Oh. No. Yes. That is genius. The law is coming after me. I refuse to say, give up any names. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is great. It's so awesome. <clears throat> I have seen them. <laughs> Kurt Russell's naked butt. Oh, photo man. So Diana, here's your opportunity to really take a big lead. If you can get the answer to this question right, which is my father wants me to join the army, but I can't work for that corporation, which is a movie question. Say Anything is an 80s classic film where high school senior Lloyd Dobler wants nothing more than to go out with the beautiful and intelligent Diane Court. Lloyd attempts to win her heart despite the objections of her overprotective father before Diane leaves for a scholarship in England. When asked what he would like to do for a career in the future, what is the chosen profession Lloyd Dobler tells Diane's family? He doesn't have a, he doesn't know what he wants to do. He wants to do nothing. (laughs) <laughs> judges i'm sorry that is incorrect oh. amy you have a chance to steal a point and steal the power right back if you can get this answer correct i know he leads into it with like i don't want to process anything sold or bought i don't want to sell anything bought or processed but i think that he says he wants to be a professional kickboxer because kickboxing is the sport of the future that is correct Woo! 
I was going to say, that's a movie I know really well. <laughs> I want to marry Lord Dobler. I saw that and I was like, please, please just marry me. I just thought he was wonderful. It's one of my favorite characters. The woman I referred to at the photo mat earlier, she feels the same way about Lloyd Dobler, I think. Lloyd I think Dobler. you echo a lot of women's sentiments uh, oh. of that era. So uh, my father's in the army. He wants me to join, but I can't work for that corporation. Um, so what I've been doing lately is kickboxing, which is a uh, new sport, but I think it's got a good future. I don't know. I can't figure it all out tonight, so I'm just going to hang with your daughter. It is difficult not to love Say Anything but it proved to be more difficult for Say Anything to make any money in the theaters. In the summer of 1989, Say Anything was in theaters for only eight weeks and lost over $10 million for the production company. Adjusted for inflation, that would be over $23 million today. Some of the movies that beat it at the box office include Karate Kid Part 3, A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Dream Child, and Weekend at Bernie's. Oh my gosh. Side note, Overboard also made more money in the theater than Say Anything. As well. wow. An underappreciated movie, I'd say. So that's one point apiece for each of you. Amy, you were able to wrestle back the power. And you can choose between these two questions. Will it be Cinema Soundcheck, which is a head-to-head challenge? Or you can pick In a Rush Rush to be Forever Your Girl, which is a music question. Oh, and I know who that is. I'm going to pick that one. Okay. Who's in a Rush Rush to be Forever Your Girl? Video evictions were for sure a thing all over MTV during Gen X. But every now and then, there was a video that featured a dude in that role steaming up the screen, and they were often a celebrity. Which celebrity was featured in Paula Abdul's video for the song Rush Rush? This is a multiple choice. Oh, good. (laughs) Was it A, Emilio Estevez? B, Brad Pitt? C, Keanu Reeves? D, Antonio Sabato Jr. or E, MC Scat Cat. So MC Scat Cat was in, I think, the animated video that she had, Opposites Attract. So this one for Rush Rush, I think I'm going to say Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is correct. Well done. In 1991, Paula Abdul asked Reeves to star in her Rush Rush music video. It was the number one single at the time of her hit album Spellbound. Keanu agreed to take part, and together they recreated scenes from the classic James Dean movie, Rebel Without a Cause. Their on-screen chemistry and extended makeout session in the video brought with it rumors that they were dating in real life. When asked later if they were dating or not, Paula Abdul said, I wish, but we were never more than just friends. When Keanu was asked about the whole experience, he said, it was a good weekend. I got to make out with Paula Abdul. And then he added, whoa. We just had a lot of fun. Especially the kissing scene at four o'clock in the morning. So that's two points for you. And now we have Diana's question, which is a head-to-head challenge called Cinema Soundcheck. For this question, I will give you the titles of tracks of the original musical score of a popular movie from Generation X. And you will need to tell me the title of the movie that it's from. These are not songs from the soundtrack of the movie, but these are from the original score, which are usually instrumentals with kind of obscure names. We will go back and forth between each player, given a new movie title with each turn. Two points will be awarded for the player that gets it correct on their turn. So Diana, you get to go first in this one. You have Clues. This is a movie from 1984, is rated PG, and IMDb calls it a comedy action fantasy movie. Okay. Okay. So think of your comedy action and fantasy movies from 1984. Here's the first track you have to pick. It's called, we are going to save the world. So you have to tell me a title of a movie that you think that song would be 
in. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't even know what year. Um, 1984. We're going to save the world. Comedy, action, never-ending story. Not a lot of comedy in never-ending story. <laughs> that is a correct. Um, it's okay. You're still in I this. I feel like that's a good guess, though. I think it's a great guess. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd laughed hysterically when the horse. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. I didn't. I cried. <laughs> What's that horse's name? I can't remember. It's like, and it's not anthrax. It's uh, Artax. Yeah. How did you pull that out of thin air? I'm <laughs> impressed. Amy? Okay. Yes. So far, we have We Are Going to Save the World. The next track for your clue is Dana's Apartment. <gasps> Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is correct. There is no, what is it, Diana? We used to always say this. There is no Dana, only Zool. <laughs> oh, that was an easy one. Are you I, the gatekeeper? <laughs> e master. Rick Moranis was so good in that. <laughs> Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. So the score is six points to one. Diana, you got a little bit of ground to catch up. It's still early enough in the game. Anything can still happen. Right. Amy, you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be Dead Man's Party, which is a music <gasps> question, or <clears throat> No, No, Notorious Videos, which oh. is a music slash television question? Um, I'm actually going to go with Notorious Videos slash, slash music question. That's not the name of the question. You got to say it right. Oh, sorry. Well, no, no. Notorious, notorious. Okay. I like the Thank Duran you. Duran reference. Thank right. you. This question is on the mini music videos of the great 80s band Duran Duran. You'll need to figure out what video is being referred to from the description that I give you. Let's see how well you remember your videos. In this video, considered by VH1 to be the number three video of all the 80s, the guys walk through the streets of Sri Lanka, chase a girl through the woods, swim, and throw over a table at a restaurant. This is a multiple choice. Was the video A, Rio, B, A View to a Kill, C, Save a Prayer, or D, Hungry Like the Wolf? Oh, gosh. It's between Rio and Hungry Like the Wolf. I'm pretty Diana sure. knows it. I see it on her face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Hungry Like the Wolf. Hungry Like the Wolf is correct. She's going to know the other category, though. You couldn't have thrown it for your friends? I mean, I mean, honestly, answer, I, I mean, think she's going to know this next one <laughs> based on the title. Uh, with the label spending so much money on the trip, Duran Duran got three videos out of their jaunt to Sri Lanka. Hungry Like the Wolf, Save a Prayer, and Lonely in Your Nightmare. The videos were so popular that they are still used to draw in tourism to Sri Lanka. And you can find Duran Duran Sri Lanka tours available for purchase. However, one company had to discontinue offering their tours because it became too problematic when American tourists wanted to reenact scenes from the video by flipping over tables in the restaurant. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's a great uh, Duran Duran behind the music on MTV. I don't know how old it is. It's fairly recent, but um, it's really good. I'll really check it out. Save that for your plugs, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Diana, this question's for you. It's called Dead Man's Party. It is a music question. The cool kids know Danny Elfman as the frontman for the incredible band Oingo Boingo, but the world at large knows him better for his contributions to movie musical scores. Of his 129 credits for composing music for film and TV, which of the following Gen X movies was not made by Danny Elfman? This is a multiple choice. Which one was not made by Danny Elfman? Was it A, A Nightmare Before Christmas? B, Summer School? C, 
Pee-wee's Big Adventure, or D, Howard the Duck? I'll say B, Summer School. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Really? Yeah, this was a hard question. Amy, can you steal it and run up the score on your friend of 28 years? Wow. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck is correct. Only because I know the other two for sure. I'm surprised summer school was. I'm floored. I am too. That is the curveball. Yeah, that was a curveball. Legendary movie composer John Barry did the music for Howard the Duck. He was better known for his work on the 11 James Bond movies, which include giving the world one of the most iconic pieces of music from that franchise, the James Bond theme. The five-time Academy Award winner had titles on the score for Howard the Duck, such as Filthy Scumbucket, Beak Jobs and Tail Tucks, and Duck Bond, I presume. It's hard to see why this movie was not (laughs) well-received. This is obviously no place for an intelligent, sensitive duck. Okay, that brings the score nine to one. Diana, don't hang your head. Anything can still happen. Don't do math. Just roll with it. Amy, you can pick between these two questions. Will it be name that auto-tune 80s edition, which is a head-to-head challenge? Or will it be Beverly Hills 90210? Oh, my God. Kelly is a homewrecker, which is a TV question. Oh, I'm going with the 90210 question. Donna Martin graduates. (laughs) In season three of Beverly Hills 90210, Brenda takes the summer before her senior year away from the gang and her boyfriend, Dylan, and meets a dude named Rick while she's away. Although she had a chance to hook up with Rick, she remained faithful to Dylan. However, Dylan took her absence a different way and hooked up with Kelly while they were apart. Where did Brenda go for the summer and who was the actor who played Rick? So you gave me the location that she went for the summer and I'll give you multiple choice for the actor. Okay. I think she went to Mexico. Mexico is incorrect. Diana, here's your chance to steal. Did she go back to Minnesota? She did not go back to Minnesota. She went to Paris. (laughs) Ah, yes. Paris. Diana, since technically it's still your turn to steal, I'm going to give you multiple choice for the actor. And if you get this, we can have an argument for uh, whether you get partial credit or not. Okay. Can you name the actor who played Rick? Was it A, Jamie Walters? B, Dean Kane, C, Grant Show? D, Mario Lopez? Or Dustin Diamond? I'm going to go with Dean Kane. You did a good job by going with Dean Kane because that is correct. Woo! That's probably the episode. I would have guessed Jamie Walters. <laughs> so now we have to argue with the judges to see whether you get partial credit at one point. Okay. Judges. Give me your argument. My argument? Yeah. Argue for your point. Very hard trick questions. <laughs> that didn't take much convincing. You got a point. <laughs> You're like Amy cheats. <laughs> and here's the fun fact. Kelly and Dylan decide to tell Brenda about their summer fling, and she does not take the news well. After hearing about the lies told to her by her boyfriend and best friend, Brenda tells them, I hate you both. Never talk to me again. Seeing Kelly sad about that comment, Dylan tries to comfort her by pushing his eyebrows together, sending countless wrinkles up his eight head or forehead, excuse me. And he says, she'll be all right. (laughs) R.I.P. Luke Perry. On fire to call Amy during 90210 or Melrose Place. And if I called her during the hour, she'd answer the phone. What? (laughs) 
Because I was busy drinking my Asti Spamante and making it a Monday night event. <laughs> Thank you. This summer, while you in Paris? Look, I told you this with the girl, right? Kelly was the girl. Look, I hate you both. Never talk to me again. Should be all right. So, Diana, this question for you. You now have two points. To two. Amy's t- nine, two, four, six, eight, nine. Yeah. Scores nine points to two. This is called Name That Auto Tunes 80s Edition. It's a head to head challenge. For this question, the judges will perform parts of a popular Gen X song, and you will have to give me the title and artist of the song. The catch here that the judges are terrible performers. They will be also using awful fake British accents to make things sound more confusing and silly than are necessary. There are a total of three songs and you'll take turns answering with the regular rules applying for stealing power as well as stealing points. So that means this question could potentially be worth up to five points to one of you. So anything Mm. can still happen. Anything. Okay. Anything could still happen except getting enough points to win. We're going to play anyways. (laughs) Oh boy. This is song one. This song is from 1986. Give me the song title and band. Oh, you're a loaded gun. Yeah. Oh, there's nowhere to run. No one can save me. The damage is done. Shot through the heart. And you're to blame. Okay. Do you want to hear it again? Nope, nope. It's Bon Jovi. Living on a prayer. That is incorrect. Amy, can you steal? Um, is it it's Bon Jovi? That's for sure. Is it you give love a bad name? That is correct. Amy, so this one goes back to you. This is song two. This is a song from 1984. Give me artist and title. Amy. Some boys kiss me. Some boys hug me. I think they're okay. If they don't give me proper credit, I just walk away. They can beg and they can plead, but they can't see the light. That's right. Cause the boy with the cold hard cash is always Mr. Right. Amy? Is that Pat Benatar? That is not Pat Benatar. Diana, can you steal this? Yes. Material girl, Madonna. Crushed it. Crushed it. All right. Well done. And here's the last one for you, Diana. Playing for pride. Song from 1990. Artisan title. Farmers. What? Farmers. What? I'm ready. We're ready. I think I'm gonna bomb the town. Get down. Don't you never, ever, pull my lever. Cause I explode. And my nine is easy to load. I gotta thank God. Cause he gave me the strength to rock. Hard. Artisan title, Dana. Oh my God. I'm wanted for murder in six states for lyric massacre. <laughs> I thought you'd give me a song title right there. I'm like, I don't know that song. That's pretty rad. And I wish. Um, Is it it in excess? It is not in excess. Amy, can you steal? Is it ACDC? ACDC is incorrect as well. Let's see if you guys can figure it out after I play the original. Farmers, farmers, I'm 
What is it, ladies? LL Cool J. Oh, gosh, he's still so hot. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. Mama said, knock you out. Those lyrics cracked me up because he's talking about he's going to bomb a town. He's going to blow <laughs> stuff up. And then he says, I got to thank God because, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I mean. <laughs> you. I don't think God wants him bombing towns. I'm just saying. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> the final score is Diana, three points. Amy, 10 points. Amy, congratulations for winning round two. We're going to put your opponent in the waiting room while you and I take a secret trip to the prize vault where you are going to select the prize that the two of you will be playing for in the final round. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. And now these messages. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts and subscribing for future episodes. It costs you nothing to give us a positive review and subscribe, but it would mean a whole lot to me. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thank you so much. And now back to the Charlie Brown and Snoopy show. She's back. And we're back. Hello. <laughs> so Amy has selected the item that you guys will be playing for in round three. Round three. Round three is a prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, I will ask the same five survey questions, Family Feud style, to each player in turn, and they will need to give me the responses or what they think are the most popular answers from the Generation X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via Facebook. The player who has the power, that is you, Amy, gets to go first with player two unable to hear their responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. Whoever gets more points wins the game and goes on to claim a chance at their prize at the winner of round two selected in secret. Good luck. Diana, we're going to put you back in the waiting room. Okay. You know how to play, right, Amy? It's like Family Feud. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. But to avoid copyright, this is dysfunctional. Not like Family, family feud. feud. Yes, yeah. this is nothing like Family Feud at all. No, never. In case anyone uh-uh. feels like suing me. No. Or the judges, because they came up with it, if any lawyers are listening. You have one pass, so use your pass wisely. Okay. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Besides Strawberry Shortcake, Name any other character from that franchise. Blueberry Muffin. What was your favorite board game as a kid? Hungry Hungry Hippos. Name a movie that has lots of drugs in it. Less than zero. Besides Michael, name another member of the Jackson family. Jermaine. What was the best Bill Murray movie? Groundhog's Day. Let's bring Diana back in. Okay, that did not take any time at all. Welcome back, Diana. I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions I asked Amy. You may not duplicate any of her answers. If you do, I'll say try again and you'll give me another answer. It's a little more difficult. So you have two passes. Pro tip, use your passes. Okay. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Besides Strawberry Shortcake, Name another character from that franchise. Apple Dumpling. What was your favorite board game as a kid? Monopoly. Name a movie that had lots of drugs in it. Less than zero. Try again. Uh, Pass. 
Besides Michael, name another member of the Jackson family. Tito. The often overlooked Tito. <laughs> Not on this game show. <laughs> he makes a good vodka. <laughs> what was the best Bill Murray movie? Scrooged. And we're going to go back to the one he passed on. Name a movie that had lots of drugs in it. Fast Times at Richmond High. Full disclosure, I literally just named the first strawberry shortcake character that came <laughs> to my head. I could not have even imagined. Like, <laughs> All right, ladies, let's go to the scores. I asked you, besides strawberry shortcake, name another character from that franchise. Diana, you gave us Apple Dumpling, which was the number five answer worth eight points. Amy, you gave us Blueberry Muffin, which was the number one answer worth 33 points. Shut No. <laughs> it is literally the only character. Diana, I swear to you. <laughs> I know I, I came a little late to this party. But <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're dead to me. No, I swear. It's the only one I can think of. <laughs> So why do these surveys on Facebook and I get some pretty crazy answers sometimes. So I want to do the honorable mention goes to the two people who voted for snake eyes from GI Joe and the one vote for blueberry, butt face. She never made the cut. I felt so bad for her. Next. Next. Next was what was your favorite board game growing up as a kid? Diana, you gave us monopoly, which was the number one answer. We're 35 points, bringing you to 43. Nice. Amy, you said Hungry Hungry Hippos, <laughs> which did not make our survey. Oh, wah, 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 wah. I think Gen X Thanks. didn't really consider that a board game because there's too much. Probably not. Plastic My mom hated that because we would hit it like as hard as possible. And she'd be like, enough, because it was so noisy. <laughs> yeah. Side note, Ouija board got two votes for Ouija board beat out Hungry Hungry Hippos, Amy. Sorry. <laughs> Do you remember we used to do those at sleepovers, Diana? Mm. Not me and you, but I mean, I remember doing that and, you know, like some other crazy games at sleepovers. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Notch, notch, know what I mean? Say them all. Non-sleep sleepovers. So that brings the score, Diana with 43 points and Amy with 33 points. Next was name a movie that had lots of drugs in it. Diana, you said Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which was the number four answer worth 12 points. And Amy, you said less than zero, which was the number one answer worth 40 points. Honorable mention goes out to Naked Lunch and Crocodile Dundee with one vote apiece on the survey. <laughs> I don't remember lots of drugs in Crocodile Dundee. That's for sure. No, that's not cocaine. This is cocaine. No. I know. <laughs> Bring the scores. Diana, 55. Amy, 73. Next question. Besides Michael, name another member of the Jackson family. Nobody said the number one answer, which was Janet Jackson. I thought of that later. However, Diana said the number two answer, which was Tito Jackson, believe it or not, worth 32 points. Yay. Amy, you gave us Jermaine Jackson, which was the number three answer, worth 18 points. Bringing the scores, Diana, 87 points, and Amy, 91 points. Only four points separate you going into the final question. It all hangs on the best Bill Murray movie. Amy, I asked you, what was the best Bill Murray movie? You said Groundhog Day, which is my personal favorite Bill Murray movie. But it was number four on the survey from the Gen Xers on Facebook. That gives you 24 points, bringing you to a grand total of 111 points. Anything over 100 is a great score. So well done. Which means you need 24 points, Diana, to tie it up. 
You gave us Scrooged, my favorite holiday Bill Murray movie. But what did Gen X think about it? Survey said. I'm sorry, that did not make the survey, which got zero points. That means you, Amy, you've won the game and you get to go on to claim a chance to your prize. Congratulations. You are doing your part to save Generation X. Yay, Aim. The number one answer for best Bill Murray movie was Ghostbusters. What's the golf one, though? That's the one I couldn't think of. Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Gosh, that's the one I couldn't think of. Either one of those would have won it for you, Diana. Yep. But you played well. You ran up to a really tough opponent in Amy. She (laughs) she was crushing everything I handed her. So don't hang your head. So let's take a trip to the prize vault. For winning round three, Amy, I offer you a chance at a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on your behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing of your choice until I am the high bidder. If that bidding holds up until the end of the auction, I will buy that item for you and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. Let's take a look at all the prizes that Amy had to pick from. Will it be a NBA trading card of five foot seven point guard Greg Grant from the 1990-1991 season? This card is famous for less for the player on it and more that it features Paula Abdul sitting in the stands in the background. She's blurry, but you can tell it's her. You can't miss her. <laughs> it also serves as a reminder that five foot seven dudes can play in the NBA. Exactly. You know, when you vote these days, you get a button telling the world that you upheld your civic duty. But if you win this button that reads, I saw E.T., you'd be telling the world that you upheld your Gen X duties and really which is more important. Or you could choose, picture in your mind, the most 80s windbreaker you can imagine. <laughs> now imagine winning this one on eBay. It could happen. Next is, you can recreate your teenage bedroom with this poster of the dreamy five members of Duran Duran from their concert in 1984 at Madison Square Garden. Just say yes to this just say no vintage drug prevention button. Nancy Reagan would be proud of you if you chose this one. <laughs> Were you lucky enough to see Oingo Boingo in concert at Irvine Meadows Amphitheater in Southern California? Well, nobody will be the wiser if you display this promotional poster for the band on their Halloween show from that venue of the 1980s. Next is a script from episode 15 of the TV show Beverly Hills 90210. The script bears a warning on the cover page that it is illegal to copy, publish, transfer, sell, or distribute this script in any way. So if we buy this, we need to be very careful not to do any of that. And lastly is a vintage 1987 poster program for the movie premiere of Overboard. This item and listing are from Japan, and all the writing in it is Japanese. Shipping <laughs> costs cost 20,000 yen. I have no idea if that's a lot, but we can find out together. <laughs> so, Amy, will you please reveal to us what item you chose and why? I chose the basketball card with Greg Grant on it. One, because he's a short dude in the NBA. Two, because Paul Abdul's in it, and I love her. And three, because my boy collects trading cards. Awesome. Let's bid this up. I I got a very good feeling that we are going to win this item. We are the high bidder at 99 cents and $1 shipping. Good luck, Amy. I'll keep you uh, advised whether we win this or not. Oh, shoot. I forgot something. Just so happens there's another page, page two on the eBay watch list. I forgot to mention earlier. This is the, you can woo the love of your life with this legit Hitachi stereo cassette player that is the exact same make and model that Lloyd Dobler held over his head to serenade Diane Court in the movie Say Anything. Starting bid was $350 with $60 shipping. 
So, but you're happy with, with the item you picked? I am. Okay. I'm glad. <laughs> Congratulations, Amy. We hope you win your Greg Grant basketball card. We skipped the mystery box this episode, so it's going to roll over to the next episode. What's in the fucking box? Thank you so much for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcast and enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you've chosen to spend a little time on our little show. Thank you so very much. If you like the show, you can join us on Facebook or our Facebook group of the same name. We post fun Gen X content there every day, and the community gets into some lively topics I'm sure you'll enjoy. If you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will say Gen X. Contributions there go directly to keeping the show going, offering better prizes for the contestants, and all-around improvements for future episodes. At our Patreon site, you will see special offers for becoming a contributor to the show, so take advantage of those if you are interested. If you like what we're doing here and want to save Gen X from being forgotten and can afford to spare a few bucks, you can contribute there. If not, please consider us next time. In either case, thank you so much for listening. Now we're going to do our shout-outs and plugs. Diana, thank you so much for being on the show. Things didn't turn out quite the way we were hoping for, but you were a great contestant anyway. Anything you'd like to shout-out or plug before we leave? Oh, well, thank you. It's great fun. Um, I had hard questions. Yes, I would love to. I saw a great live band called Yachty by Nature, and they're a great 70s and 80s cover band. High energy, totally fun, and they play all the songs that everybody knows. And they play not just here in SoCal, but I think they play all over the U.S. So their website is yachtybynature.com, and it has their schedule. And I believe they have a blog and just a, a section about them. So totally recommend it. It's rad. We'll post so a link to that in the show notes. Oh, cool. Great. Cool. Any other shout outs or plugs? For my family. They're fun. They love my music. They put up with my uh, 80s movies that I insist they watch. <laughs> so they're they're good sports. Well, you're doing your part to keep Gen X alive. Well done. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And Amy, anything you'd like to say before we leave? No, just thanks so much for having me. This has been a blast and definite walk down memory lane. Shout out to my family as well. They put up with all of my music in the car, which my husband refers to as a punk rock kid himself. His, he refers to my music as like what you would find on VH1. I'm fine <laughs> with that insult. Uh, <laughs> and we listened to it all the way on our drive to Bend, Oregon to see our oldest daughter and all the way back, which is six hours each way. Yeah. That so, is the second best thing that I can recommend you listen to on your car on road trips. Is what? Your 80s music. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. Second best thing you can listen to. Yes, it is. And that's pretty much it. Uh, the first best thing is this podcast. Oh, 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 is that what, what you're saying? Oh, I didn't, I wasn't trying to get I know. You to say that or anything. No, no, it wasn't a leading question at no, all. Not, totally not a little it. bit. Yeah, no, I walked right into it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but thanks for, thanks for doing this. It was really fun. I'm excited to have been um, invited to be a part of it. The pleasure is mine. Thank you so much. Before we go, I'd like to leave you with a cliffhanger question. If you know the answer, please reach out to me on our Facebook group page, or you can email me at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. Also, if you have any feedback for the show or would like to submit a trivia question or segment idea, or if you would like to become a contestant on the show, you can reach the judges at that email address as well. If we use your ideas or questions on the show, we'll be sure to give you a shout out. Once again, that email address is whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. And now this episode's cliffhanger question is... What was the name of MTV's first game show? Correct answers to the cliffhanger question will be put in a drawing for a prize at a later date. 
Last episode's cliffhanger question has been posted on the Facebook group page, so you can find out all the details there. Diana, do you wish you had that question instead? Yes. I was going to say, I think I know the answer to this, too. Yep. (laughs) Well, that's it for the episode, everybody. Thanks so much for checking out the show. We welcome you to subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. So, did you catch my mistake? The judges put in some audio cues in the show to highlight the mistakes and rub my nose in it a little bit. Diana should have been given the power at the end of round two, and therefore she should have gone first in dysfunctional family feud. The outcome might have been totally different, especially considering that she was denied a number one answer in her response of less than zero, which was a duplicate of what Amy said. The score was too close, and we'd never know for sure who would have won if no mistakes were made. I've contacted Diana and Amy with my apologies. They were both cool about it, but we have decided to have a rematch of the game at a later date. Until then, here is a nostalgic approximation at basically how the conversation went between me and the judges as soon as my mistakes were discovered. Enjoy. All right, mister, what do you think you're doing? Wipe that smile off your face. What is that? A twisted sister pin on your uniform? What do you want to do with your life? I thought about this quite a bit, sir, and I, I would have to say, considering what's waiting out there for me, I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything bought or processed, or buy anything sold or processed, or process anything sold, bought, or processed, or repair anything sold, bought, or processed. You know, as a career, I don't want to do that. I don't know, I can't figure it all out tonight, so I'm just going to hang with your daughter. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.